Try not to get too high and try not to get too low. Just try to believe that there's always a way that quality will catch up to quantity. Welcome to Hoop Nerds with Billy Kegler, presented by the Wisconsin Basketball Coaches Association. We talk to coaches, athletes, and more to learn from their stories and apply learning lessons to improve each individual and stimulate growth for your program, team, staff, and self. Follow along as we explore success and failure en route to improving the game of basketball. Before we jump in today, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to my friends at Dr. Dish Basketball. I've been associated with their products for a few years now, and I'm really impressed by their innovative and user-friendly shooting machines. They also are great people with tremendous customer service. It's no wonder why they have become the preferred choice among top programs around the country and world. I'm very grateful for their support of the show. Make sure to check them out at drdishbasketball.com and at drdishbball on social media. Be sure to mention WBCA when ordering your next Dr. Dish to save an extra $300 off any commercial purchase. Coach Bennett, welcome to the Hoop Nerds. Let's start at the beginning. The first time you coached, tell me a memory that sticks with you from the early days of coaching for you that was a moment that encapsulated what you eventually became as a coach. Well, the the very first one, and I'm not stretching this, the very first game I coached as a guy right out of Ripon College got the head job at Park Falls, Wisconsin. We played Hurley. And I told those kids, Hurley was really good. They had the Godas. Girl, you don't, this is way before your time, but they were really good. If there had been class system then, they would have won the Division Three. But there was one division. Because mm-hmm. I can remember, we won our regional and had to play Anigo that year. And that was the Anigo team in almost one state. I mean, here, Little Park Falls. Anyway, I told our team getting ready at first. They've got us that we're going to get. This is a not a lead pipe cinch game. We're going to go up there and we're going to give them a battle. We got beat by 40 points. It's the worst. It's the worst loss I ever had as a head coach. The very first game. And I thought I, I was too naive to too probably just dumb to get so worried about it. And it was just, Okay. And then we played Ashland High School, and they were pretty good then. They beat us by 15, 16. And then we went on to win the conference. Those games leveled any expectation that, that anyone had. And, and we just got back to coaching, to trying to put that team together. And it's one of the most memorable teams I had. Probably the most talented kid I had just died a few months ago, a kid named Don Rebney. He was living in Florida, terrific passer. And I learned one thing there, and I probably violated it later on, but it was try not to get too high and try not to get too low. Just try to believe that there's always a way that quality will catch up to quantity. That if you do things right, it it will it will either make a team that starts slow in a season or game catch up and if things are going well you cannot become complacent that was a lesson i learned but it's the first game 
my we my, we weren't married. My wife was a senior at Oshkosh then, but she drove up for that first game, and I remember she said, "Boy, I don't know if I'm driving this far up to see that kind of basketball." <laughs> and and um, we got married the next year, and that was a, that's the very first game. When you, when you said an early memory, that's one of them. But uh, things got a little bit better after that. So as a young coach, you can react and think the sky is falling, right? And like think that you have to overcoach and everything. So I'm curious, what was it about that year that allowed you to stay level and focus on the quality over the quantity and eventually win the conference championship, as you mentioned? It's probably because I was too naive. I mean, really, it was probably because this is my first job. Maybe this is the way it is for everybody. And um by golly, the kids I had there, they were rough northern kids, but they weren't quitters. They they had they had that kind of rugged toughness to them. And they just they got better as the year went on. And I think what happened is we ended up tying Lakeland Minocqua for that title, stayed there another year, then got the Marinette job. And each step there's there seemed to be a little more experience that you gain as a coach and hopefully a little more maturity about things and and i just believe this any coach that goes into this business better have some philosophy something that they say this is the identity we want but with experience you know how to tweak that it's not my way or the highway it's here is what we really stand for but here's where we'll make the adjustments and and I do believe that as a young coach, I, you see one of two ways. They either stick way too long to the minimal stuff they already know, or they're changing all the time. Well, I went to this clinic. I went to that clinic. I heard this. I mean, in today's world with all social media, there's so many things you can get. And the important thing is what meets your wishes and philosophy and what adjusts to the talent you have in that particular year. And that's what you gain as you gain the years in coaching. So that's a great point you just made. And, and I'm curious with adjusting to your team and at what point in your career were you able to uh, evolve adjusting each year as a coach to your players and then eventually having your system in place where the players came in knowing what to expect from you as a coach? Well, I probably wasn't at the first two jobs long enough to have players come in and say, well, that's the system. Two years at Park Falls, four years at Marinette. We had some good ball players there. Uh, the Bay, we won the Bay Conference one year, uh, got to the sectional final, beat a good Kimberly team. We were a small division one. They had just gone to that and then got beat by uh, De Pere high school that East De Pere. They had Bob Coonan. I think, you know, Bob, good coach and a heck of a player at UW Eau Claire later. But then when I got the Rapids, um, I've said this, this was probably the, the favorite high school job. And we were able to, to go in there and immediately have a really good team. We went to state and our, our youth program took off Raider rookies. That was a big wrestling town. They were noted for that. And we, when I took that job, I told the wrestling coach, Louis Bennett, I said, you've got this youth wrestling program. You taught me one thing. We're going to get down there second, third grade, and we're going to have a Saturday morning program. 
where we, we just worked on ball handling and stuff and I had really good assistants who 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 were able to do a lot of that stuff. We had three, four hundred kids. And I knew we weren't going to have that many kids playing, but we got the right kids who started to see, well, this this is what's important to to the Rapids program, what Coach Bennett wants. And by the time we were at the end, we we had an identity. And I thought that the the byproduct of that too was with all those kids who got in that youth program, did we have fan support when they got in the high school? And even if they weren't on the team, we were part of that youth program in years past. So I would say Rapids is where I really started to feel some identity. And, and, and this is how I eventually want to coach with each team that here's the structure. Here's what we do but I hope we're flexible enough and as a staff and, and myself, we're smart enough to take advantage of, do we have more size one year? Do we have great quickness? Can we play a little faster, but still come back to our core and, and what we do best. It starts with defense. It starts with moving the ball on selfishness offensively. And, and it really is about, we give it our best practices, off season games, and we can live with that. So you mentioned a name a little while ago, or you mentioned a school, a Lakeland Monaco. And I have terrors in my brain of Pete Rortvet hitting shots mm-hmm. at UW Stevens Point. So I just wanted to throw that name out there for you down, down memory lane. But with all these players that you had throughout your career, something off the court, you know, not X's and O's, and I are talking about offense or defense, but what's something that you did with your teams that you think made the biggest impact for a player that you had at Park Falls all the way up to somebody at UW-Stevens Point? Well, before I answer that, Pete Rortvet, I don't know if you know, he was he and Brian Beamish were my last recruits. I recruited them, we did as a staff, but recruited Pete real hard, and Brian, Brian's grandfather, Bob Kruger had been the point coach before my brother and, and was real instrumental in helping our family all along. And, and then I retired. I never coached Pete. That's that's after we won that second national title. And I followed Pete. He was one of the great shooters uh, in point history. And Brian Beamish was so unselfish and such a good ball handler. So I, I, I felt a, 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 connection with the point team even after and 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 Bob Semling had been my assistant at, at Rapids and then took over there was that connection you ask some other things well it it was dinners you know at times it was it was things that parents would put on it was the um the the pep assemblies where you felt the school was really behind you and a couple of times we went to state at Rapids that that town and that school was hungry for basketball success. But you know, one of the things I miss the most, I didn't miss it at the time. <laughs> In fact, I almost hated it. It was the bus rides, especially at point when you had to travel up to Superior and then for us to go all the way down to Platteville. And I kept thinking those far Northern schools going down. But as I look back, I think those bus rides were some of the best bonding situations. Win or lose. Because you, as a coach, you would go and sit back and, and talk to a couple of players that maybe wanted to make a point with. Or you'd sit in front and you'd kind of listen to, to what was going on. 
or there'd be a movie that they wanted to watch that would just relax them. And I, and I, I can't remember who said that on TV. I think it was Fran Ficella. He was doing one of the uh, big 12 games. And I think it was him who said, one of the things that I loved were, were those trips, those bus rides when we went from, especially road trips. And I, I agree with that. Now, it got a little interesting at the end, and I'm not sure if you were part of this, where for a while in the state league, the men and the women had to travel together. Yes, were I you was. you part of that? Yes, I was. And I could see it was supposed to save gas. This, there were two things that were upset. If one team won and the other didn't win, how do you handle that on the bus? And the other thing is, if you played the late game, you had a lot of time to kill before when when we had to travel any distance. And if you had the early game, especially if it didn't go the way you wanted, you had to sit around and wait. <laughs> and um, But the bus rides are, are something that I think can either really bring a team together or if there's any kind of animosity, if there's any cracks in the unity, it's not just left on the floor. It's it's the way they relate on those trips. Yeah. And that, that, that was very important. It was interesting to hear Coach Fricella say that. I'm looking at him right now. He, he's doing the uh, Texas Tech-Kansas um, game on, on TV, and he's a good one. And he, he's, he loves Tyrese Hunter from Iowa State, so I kind of like him because of that. Sideline Interactive delivers digital and LED scoring tables and video boards that generate excitement in your gym and the ultimate game day experience for your players and fans. We provide you the blueprint and the game plan to generate $10,000 or more in sponsorship revenue every year. 95% of our schools generate enough advertising dollars during the first school year to pay for their purchase. Any school or college can qualify for no fee, no interest financing over two school years. We're ready and able to deliver your order to you within three to four weeks. The tables and boards can be used for any indoor sport, as well as watching game films, school assemblies, signing days, or any other event that is held in your gym. Visit sidelineinteractive.com or call 832-786-0302 to schedule a 15 to 30 minute live web demo to see our tables and boards in action and what these fantastic products can do for you. Or email sales at sidelineinteractive.com. A link to sidelineinteractive.com is in the show notes for today's episode. As many listeners know, I spent over six years as a general manager at Just the Game Fieldhouse in Wisconsin Dells. I was able to spend time talking hoops with coaches like Tom Izzo, along with high school and youth coaches, in addition to meeting some basketball legends, including my childhood favorite, Sam Elke, who is in the WBCA Hall of Fame and High School Basketball Museum, located at Just the Game Fieldhouse which is a must-visit for any true hoop nerd. They also play host to the WBCA All-Star Games and Coaches Clinic every year. Just a Game hosts over 70 basketball and volleyball tournaments annually and is a great place to play for teams of all ages and ability levels. You can't beat all Wisconsin Dells has to offer in your free time. The Fieldhouse also has two sister companies in Just a Game Impressions and Just a Game Live. Just a Game Impressions specializes in customized screen printing and embroidery and promotional products. They serve businesses, schools, sports teams, and more. Just a Game Live takes pride in providing affordable and simple live streaming solutions for venues or programs of all kinds. Inquire today for more information. For more info on everything Just a Game has to offer, check them out at justagamefieldhouse.com. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I'll, I'll queer, share a quick story because you know Ken Cable, his son Kyle. One of my favorite yeah. memories is us stuffing him in the overhead compartment on the way back from Hope, Michigan. <laughs> and hopefully we didn't taint him for life, but yeah, it was part of the bus ride. Well, luckily the Cable kids were kind of small and, and short, just like like Kenny. Um, but yeah, those are those are fun things when, when you think about it. And we get together now, those teams I had, we golf during the summer and there's 10, 10, 12 of us that end up at one of the cottages that one of our players has. And when we sit down and talk, Oh my gosh, do some of the stories get going? I mean, this isn't like a regular um, golf outing to raise money. This is just some the group of different players. And they talk about stuff that you just mentioned. Well, do you remember that trip when we caught so-and-so in the bathroom and, you know, he, he was late for the team meeting because his guts were killing. I mean, it's just stories that I didn't really know about, but I said, holy cow. <laughs> and you didn't necessarily want to know all the details at the time. But no, you don't want to. By the way, did, did Kenny find out that you had done that to his son? No, I don't know if he knows yet. <laughs> He's going to know now. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> so you mentioned Tyrese at Iowa State there a little bit. I wanted to pick your brain a little bit. Having been in the state such a long period of time and seeing the growth of basketball and the transition i'm curious your thoughts on the state of basketball in wisconsin and and where it's headed with the players and how they're producing at the higher levels well i think i think there's a big pro to all of this development and a little bit of con to it the pro is and we talked about this before we started the program Players are more developed with skills because of all the early play, because of, you know, if you're good enough, you get on a good traveling team. I mean, even when you're sixth, seventh, eighth grade, and then high school, you play on some very good AAU teams. And that, that really does expose you to, to really talented players, not just in the state, but when you go around like Tyrese, he was, he was one of the, the MVP of, um, who runs the, the big camp, the pro that's supposed to be one of the best AAU programs. And that's when he knew he was destined for division one and he'd, he'd do pretty well. So the development is there. Um, it, it forces you to stretch your game. And if you're really serious about it, you go back and you work on the weaknesses. What, what teams and good players from different parts of the country exposed you to the con is I liked it when I was a high school coach, before this got real popular, that your team, your high school team, played a lot of these traveling tournaments. And be honest with you, they played more team basketball. And you asked a little while ago about what, you know, system and the identity. The identity really got shaped then. Sometimes with these traveling teams, it's about individual goals more than well i i'd like our team to win but i got to show that i can play at the next level i can show that i could play at, at one of the big five conferences at the expense of really playing good basketball and i think that sometimes seeps into some of the games you see with organized teams i'm sure if you asked a player they'd say we love it we love it and as coaches you like the fact that they're playing against tough competition but there was always that good feeling when teams were playing with their basically their high school team that there was development that you knew would translate into the season coming up 
Yeah. Absolutely. So I'm curious which teams you're watching right now, you know, whether it's college games you're watching at night or if you get out and go to some division three games or high school games, which teams that have that good team concept that you're talking about right now that you enjoy watching? Well, I enjoy watching all styles. I, I'm, I'm not smart enough to say, well, that's not good. I mean, if somebody wants to run and they have the talent and they sell them on it, I mean, Auburn, uh, Alabama, that's, that's great if they want to do that. I really enjoy watching much more of the Big 12 this year because of uh, Nick's player being there. I think that's the deepest league in the nation right now. And that's kind of the consensus top to bottom. I mean, and the defense in that league is outstanding. Obviously I watch, I watch Virginia every chance I get. And that, you know, coincides with what we believe in, in our family. You know, Tony's team is down a little bit this year, but I just watched them beat Louisville earlier tonight and they, they played one of their better games. You can tell they're just going to stay with what they do. They, they run a little bit more this year because he doesn't have as strong an interior. He tweaks it, but you can still see what's sacred to that program. Went to, I went to the point lacrosse game, and I thought those were two good teams that ran good, good motion. You know, Kent had been an assistant here. I thought lacrosse just played a little tougher defensively. Um, Platteville plays within their system. I think Oshkosh is, is very talented. And if they be, get healthy again, they, they could be the, the most threatening team from the league. But I enjoy basketball at all levels. And, and to be honest with you, sometimes there's just so much on that it all starts to blend, you know. And that's where you can almost tell myself, well, here are the teams you want to focus on. And, and, and try to follow them and see what happens in the course of the season. Um, so, yeah, you still enjoy the game. And I've gone to a couple high school games and, you know, see, see teams that are doing well, see teams that are struggling and just how the coaches are hanging in there and the players are. I think that's an important point you just brought up broadly there was there's access to so much now with streaming services and all of the video content that's available through Synergy or Huddle or whatever it may be for whatever coach, whatever level you're at. But there's still something to going to a game in person and being able to pick up items from coaches, right? So having that in-person attachment to it is still something that is necessary. So we have all this technology in the world, but it still goes back to the roots, you know, kind of like you mentioned there with some of the teams and especially with Tony at Virginia, you have your base system and, and you mentioned that earlier, right? So as we kind of wrap up here, how would you give advice to someone to figure out what those building blocks are for them as a coach? Well, some of that depends on what stage of their career they're at, the coach. I mean, if it's an experienced coach, who, who am I or anyone to say, you know, I think you should maybe be doing this when they've said, well, I've been in this a while. I know it works. So much of it's dependent on your talent that's coming through. But but if they're committed to something, fine. A newer coach, a younger coach, I would just tell them, try, try to expose yourself to as much as you can see that's quality. Even if it doesn't exactly match what your vision of your team is going to be. You, you like a team that presses and then gets back into 
a good half court man to man, or they fall back and, and use that zone when they should. Watch it. See what works for them. Do you like motion offense? Do you think the swing with some of the variables off of it is something you want to do? Then watch it, study it. It doesn't mean you have to, but I don't know if you want to be the type of coach that just says, this is the way I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it this way. And if they don't like it, tough. Well, that that works. Discipline and having that identity. But so does players who say, you know, we've got a staff, we've got a coach that understands the difference from year to year. And they're going to put us in a position, take the difference from year to year and use us to the best of our ability. That, that to me is a, a smart coach who's got a little bit of experience and, and really has a feel for his players. Perfect. Beautifully said. So I want to wrap up with a non-basketball related question, because I know as soon as we get done, you're going to go back to watching the Kansas game. So if <laughs> By you the way, could... it's 47 to 43 Kansas over Texas Tech right now. If you could have one superhero power, what superhero power would it be? And what would you do with that superhero power? Superhero power. Well, I'd be, I'd be about 20 years younger than I am right now and, and really be in the golf like I am. So I could golf the way I I'd like to have played, but it was when I was coaching, I couldn't, you'd like, you'd, you'd like to be healthier as you get better. I'm, you're fairly healthy. You do a lot of biking. I I think the most superpower would be the mental part. That, as you look back, I I would not have let the highs get too high, and certainly wouldn't let those lows get too low. And as you age, you start to put those things in perspective. Why didn't I know that at a younger age? Why did Why did you put? You think a, a loss that you didn't expect was the end of the world it was tough to get up and name that much it meant so much because that's what our job was it meant the players but my 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 superpower would be i wish i had been smart enough to say here is exactly how this is going to help you in life and you know what I, we did try to do that but i don't think i listened to my own advice enough <laughs> and um I guess that's called experience. It's called a, a little maturity, and and I still got a long ways to go with that. You you live and die as you watch your son's teams play. And I know my brother lives and dies watching Tony, and um, that kind of passion I never want to lose. But put it in perspective. Yeah, beautifully said. Thank you for putting a bow on this episode for us, and thank you for coming on and sharing with all the hoop nerds. Well. I, I like that name, Hoopmers. I think we all are when we really get into this game. And I, and you're you're just tearing this business up. And, and I can't wait to get that surgery. And you're gonna you're gonna just be you're gonna be the best looking guy doing this job. Well, we'll tell people before we made an agreement that when the WIAC brings back broadcasts, you and I are gonna team up and we're just gonna tear through the league. Well, you're <laughs> so, a young man. You may be doing that. I don't know if I can be doing that in my 80s or 90s. <laughs> well, you can do all the point games with me. We'll make that. All right. Billy, <laughs> great to always visiting with you. Thanks, coach. God bless you.